Welcome to the Path to Inspiration podcast, daily content to remind you to inspire and be inspired. And this podcast is hosted by the founder of Path to Inspiration, Sebastian Grinko. How to Become a Millionaire Law of Attraction by Earl Nightingale. So, making this record is a special privilege, and I'll do my best in this short space of time to pass along to you a distillation of more than 20 years of research on why some people seem to do so well in life, while others do not. This information has changed my life and the lives of thousands of others who have made the same discovery. And I sincerely hope it will have a happy and profitable effect upon yours. I hope that whenever you listen to this record, you will do so with a notebook handy and write down things that might be important to you. We seem to forget the spoken word quickly. And only by repeated planes in the home without distractions can this information become a permanent part of your way of life. To begin, I would like you to remember this. Successful people are not people without problems. They have, as a rule, just as many problems and largely the same kind as everyone else. The difference is that they learn to solve their problems. Successful living is nothing more than the ability to solve successfully the problems which are as much a part of living as breathing. The degree of our success will be determined by the extent to which we can solve our problems. So now that we've defined the problem, let me make this statement. If you can tell me what you want, I can tell you how to get it. The problem for the great majority of individuals is not with their ability to achieve their goals in life, but rather with the failure to understand two factors are vital to successful living. Number one, the first is to make the decision as to what it is we want enough to give it most of our attention until it has been achieved and to clearly define it. Number two, and to second is to fully understand that we have the ability to achieve this goal or we wouldn't want it in the first place. The next vital role to successful living is to understand that our success is won or lost by our ability to serve others. We are interdependent and it's just as impossible to succeed without serving others as it would be to live in our modern world without others serving us. Our rewards in life will and must always be in exact proportion to our service. It is the misunderstanding of this single law which in my mind is responsible for full 90% of the frustration and discontent we see around us. In your mind's eye, get a picture of a giant apothecary scale, the kind with a cross arm from which hang two large balls on chain. One of the balls is marked rewards the other service. These balls will always be in perfect balance. A lot of people don't like this law 
if they're even aware of it. But not liking a law does nothing to change it. The basic laws of nature and economics are unchanging. If we're out of step with them, we are as Thomas Huxley put it checkmate without haste, but without remorse. But to those who know and work with the laws, he said, they are paved with the overflowing sort of generosity with which the strong delight in strength. Now, there are two kinds of rewards for income. One is psychic, the other is real but tangible, such as money or prosperity. If a person doesn't like his income, all he has to do is take a good long look at his service. The fact that the many individuals in the fields of science, religion, teaching and so on must measure most of the rewards in the realm of the psychic does nothing to water the fact that their rewards will be in exact proportion to their service. Look where you will, you will find this law is undeviating operation. Our rewards will always be in exact proportion to our service. Good examples of this are workbook and childcraft. The fact that your company is the world's largest publisher of reference material is based solely on the fact that its products have found the widest acceptance and have been sold to more individuals and institutions. This is the law, then, that lies as the supporting structure of economics and personal well-being. So, fix it in your mind. All attempts to sidestep or in any way avoid this law will result in frustration and failure. So, this brings up the question, if what I want is more than I now have, how can I increase my service in order to earn it? Well, whom do we serve? We serve people. So, let's take a moment to try to understand people. The more we understand them, the better we can serve them. I think of an adult human being as a grown child doing his best to play for the first and last time on earth. This game called life, the extent to which he learns the rules of this mighty game will determine the success. But right here, we run into a historic and exasperating fact. People down through the centuries have, with the most amazing consistency, divided themselves into two groups. One group contains about 5% of any given population. The other group contains the remaining 95%. Neither of these two groups is any better than the other, but one thing separates them. The big group, the one containing about 95% of people, never seems to get the word, while the smaller group, the 5%, does. Now, what do I mean by getting the word? I mean about 95% of the people never quite understand emotionally or intellectually that we, as individuals, control to an altogether unsuspected extent our lives here on earth. That each one of us is the architect of the structure of fashion by our years. You see, all of us want the same things, but only about 5% figures out how to get them. 
I think it's perfectly stated in your workbook booklet titled Opportunity Unlimited. It says, within each of us burn to unquenchable ambitions to serve importantly and to gain financial independence. Both of these worthwhile goals are within the reach of all of us men or women. But according to statistics, only about 5% achieve both of them. Why? Let's look at it logically. Every human being has a tendency to think, act and talk like those by whom he is surrounded. This is environment and it exercises an enormous influence on our lives. We've already pointed out that 95% don't seem to get the word in life. And it follows that in the case of any given individual, the odds are 95 to 5 and he is surrounded by the larger group. And since a body in motion tends to remain in motion until acted upon by an outside force, then he will continue to conform to his group. Unless we can do a better job of serving him through knowledge, here is our largest opportunity for service and the rewards will take care of themselves. Now, right here, let me restate what we've covered so far. Our reward, psychic, intangible, will be in proportion to our service. The failure of most people to live successfully is not caused by their lack of abilities, far from it, but rather in their failure to understand and to decide what it is they want. An understanding that I want are governed by our talents and abilities, and that we are divided into two groups of roughly 5% and 95%, and that it's the 5% group which is successful. So, here, let me give you a definition of success, which to my mind covers the subject completely. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. That is, anyone who knows where he's going in life is a success. At the moment, he makes a decision of what it is he intends to accomplish, of what it is he considers a worthy ideal. He's successful. Once this goal has been accomplished, he is again, by our definition of failure, until he establishes a new goal toward which to work. To my mind, this is what we as human beings were intended to do. To go through life from one achievement to another and to finally come to an end of our road here on earth. Still reaching, still working toward a new and better plateau on which to stand. For this, it is to live and live completely, to know as much as we can know, to serve as much as we can serve, to accomplish as much as we can accomplish. Well, since success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal, why are we faced with only 5% who can be called really successful? Because the best estimates available tells us that only about 5% will ever decide upon and define the one thing they want because we can only do one thing at a time. To my mind, the story of a person's life is the story of a quest, a search to which he devotes his life. 
We know that the happiest people on earth are those who know exactly what it is they seek and said boldly out to find it. And while we are all dreamers, the fortunate ones are those who have found a dream so exciting and worthwhile that they, they will devote a part of all of their lives to making their dream come true. But while all dream by far the great majority that 95% never realize that a persistent daydream is often the point on which we should set our compass. The place toward which it is meant for us to journey. The tragedy is that the great majority shrugs off this built-in direction and returns to the wide, visible, well-marked road in life which they feel must be the best road because it carries the heaviest traffic. Well, let me make this point clear. The road in life with the heaviest traffic is not the best road to follow. For it is the road of the 95%. It is a road with no more opportunity and with 19 times as much competition. Let me briefly tell you how I got started on this business of making a study of people and why they wind up the way they do. I spent nearly 20 years looking for the secret to achievement. I didn't know it was older than the pyramids and had appeared in more than 50 million books. It started in 1933. During the last depression for me, I was bothered by the difference that existed between what I had been told and what I could see around me. For example, I had been told that man was God's noblest creature and had dominion over all the earth and all its other creatures. I knew this was true, but in my neighborhood, the creatures were eating better than we were. And I wanted to know why so many were poor when there was such abundance on earth. They had no money that there was still as much as it has been a few years before where they had gone. They had little education, yet education was on every side of them. They had very little food, yet it was raised in abundance. They lived in inadequate and ugly dwellings, and they were good homes for sales. Well, it was apparent to me that these people didn't have this answer to the problem. They were good people, but they didn't have the answers. Here were people who were discouraged and confused. In a world which should have been filled with challenge and excitement, it's true that we were in a period of general depression. But the, to the thinking individual, this represents another problem to be solved, another challenge to overcome, and to many, it was the thing that sparked their greatest accomplishments. I remember reading something once about discouragement. It was a fable about a devil, and he had his many wares on displays. There was the rapier of jealousy, the dagger of fear, the strangling noose of hatred, each with its high price. But on a purple pedestal, Leaming daily in the light was a worn and battered wedge. This was the devil's most prized possession, 
and it was not for sale. For with it alone, he could stay in business. It was the wage of discouragement. Well, as I remember it, the people in my neighborhood were pretty discouraged. Now, discouragement can only come from one of two things. A lack of information or a situation over which we can exercise no control. It is very seldom that we are faced with number two. Almost all discouragement can be traced to a lack of information. If you find yourself falling from the top of a high building, you could justify discouragement, but it can be traced to you having made a fatal step. And that was a lack of information about the law of gravity. When I ask these people why we're in the fix where we were in, they did a very human thing. They blamed other people. They looked everywhere for the answer except where it really was within themselves. And I decided to find out just what it was that separated the haves from the have-nots. Not just in the financial sense, but in every sense. I found the answers in books written by great men. I found the answer in the Bible. Why didn't these people of whom I speak know the answers? They didn't read good books. They didn't read the Bible. Everyone owned one because it was fashionable, like I said, of Shakespeare. But they did not read that either. They were discouraged because they lacked information. They didn't know the rules of this game called life. And they had been checkmate without haste, but without remorse. They did not realize that without a goal, an aiming point, without purpose or direction. They clung together, feeling somehow that there was a safety in numbers without realizing that in this case, just the opposite is true. They did not know that if we conform to the big group, the odds are 95 to 5 and they'll miss the boat in life in almost every vital and important aspect of living. Prove this, you need only to take a look at human history. Of all the billions of human beings who've lived on Earth, all great advances, all great ideas have come from just a handful, a few 1,000 out of billions. Now, however, the people as a group reacted to the great ideas. Every great leader and thinker from Socrates to the Wright brothers has been scorned, ridiculed, poisoned, imprisoned, stoned, pilloried, burned at the stake, or crucified. Mankind as a group has made a consistently grisly game of tormenting his saviors. Why? Lack of information. Lack of knowledge. It comes from following the wrong crowd. What can we learn from all this? as individuals. Two things. One, to more to anything as individuals, we've got to be individuals. We've got to have individual goals, individual thinking, individual action. And two, we must never conform 
to the great mass of people. We must love them, help them for our joy and success will be determined by the extent to which we serve them. But we must never lose our individuality and identity by permitting ourselves to be submerged in the suffocating sea of indirection and purposelessness. There's nothing wrong with emulation. In fact, it's a good idea. So, long as we emulate a person who represents that which we wish to become. But never the crowd, never the 95%, and you know what the answer was the secret to achievement that I devoted nearly 20 years to finding. Its pure simplicity had caused it to elude me just as it manages to elude the majority of the people any given age. I had been looking for something complicated, something only a mind prepared by years of study could grasp. And I found the answer so simple a child can understand it. In six words, we are what we think about our minds. Our thinking controls our destinies here on earth to a degree totally unsuspected. But the majority of people, when you think about it, the moment it becomes so obvious, so clear and simple, well then, if we become what we think about, and if we control our minds, we can pretty well tell our own future. And that's the point I want to make. That's what I meant when I said earlier that each one of us is the architect of the structure fashioned by our years. This means that if we are confused about what we wish to become or accomplish in our lives, our environment will mirror that confusion. It also means that if we know what it is we seek, that it will, it must be accomplished. Bearing an act of God with catastrophe over which we can have no control, we as individuals can call our own shots for the rest of our lives. We can know what it means to go through life from one success to another, to play life according to the rules and reap the rewards. We can know what it means to have peace of mind and live calm, cheerful, successful lives. You are at this moment the sum total of your thoughts to this point, for there is nothing else you can be. And five years from now, you can be and have anything you set your entire mind and heart upon. Turn this record over now and let me tell you of a way you can use this law to accomplish more in 5 years than the average person does in 40. Succeeding in life has always been a matter of doing that which the great majority does not do. And let's keep this in mind as we get into the business of goals. It isn't that I want to make an invidious comparison between the 5% and the 99%. Not at all, that's just the way it is, and if we don't recognize it, it will be to our cost. At the beginning of this record, I made the statement, if you can tell me what you want, I can tell you how to get it. You see, the trick is not in achieving our goals, it is in establishing them. A ship will never leave a harbor if it did not have a destination, an industrial plant will never open its gates if it did not have a product or a purpose. 
Football would not be played without goalposts, nor would baseball without a home plate. Every business operates for purpose. Every game has a reason. Getting back to the analogy of our ship, if you were to climb to the navigation bridge and ask the captain the name and location of its next port of call, he would tell you immediately, there is not the slightest doubt in my mind. Can you tell anyone your destination just as quickly and in one sentence? The captain of the ship knows that he can arrive at only one port at a time. He knows that it's impossible to arrive at two. Do you know that? He also knows that his destination will be invisible for fully 99% of his voyage. But he knows it's there and that he will reach it bearing an unforeseen catastrophe. If he will just keep doing certain things a certain way every day, one fine morning his destination will appear on the horizon. He will sail into port his voyage successfully completed when his business has been accomplished. He'll then sail to another predetermined port of call. And this will take him and his ship for one success to another for the rest of both of their lives. By understanding that he can reach only one port at a time, the owner of a ship can in the short pace of a very few years reach hundreds of ports successfully. There will be problems, lots of them, but they will be solved and the ship will steam solitary course over the deep oceans of the world, devoting its life to accomplishing its mission and contributing its share to the welfare and economy of the world. Men and women who follow this sensible, obvious and meaningful way of life will do the same. But the paradox is that the most like ships without rudders, they are subject to the whims of wind and tide. And while they hope they will one day arrive in a rich, bustling port, you and I know that for every narrow harbor entrance, there are a thousand miles of treacherous and rocky coastline. The chances of their just drifting into port are a thousand to one against them. These are the unfortunate people who do not know the no rules they believe that circumstance controls our lives. They believe in luck and superstitions, fate, the breaks. They believe that success comes as a result of who you know, not what you know. And while they cling to their false alibis, life passes them by for the rules of life are adjust and they are checkmated without haste but without remorse. Now what about you? Remembering that the definition of success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. What's the ideal towards which you are working? Now, today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Can you write it in one sentence? Is your goal sharply and clearly defined? Now for a moment, let's return to the message in your booklet, Opportunity Unlimited. It reads within each of us burn to unquenchable ambition, to serve importantly and to gain financial independence. 
the source of these two desirable goals you've already achieved by being in the World Book Childcraft organization. Now let's take a look at the second ambition, financial independence. I mentioned on the first side of this record that I can tell you how you could be and have anything you set your mind on in five years. To better understand the issue, you must examine one of the most overlooked facts in the world. It is that every job, no matter what it may be, holds somewhere within himself the key to everything we want in life. The key to greatness, but we must look for it and we must think. Since only about 5% make the grade, we must place ourselves in this percentage group. We can do this by making two decisions. The first is to decide once and for all that this is what you're going to do for a living, that this is going to be your career since its opportunities are unlimited. And it's constantly growing with our dynamic economy and our exploding population. In the past 13 years, world book sales have increased 800%. And even this enormous volume is expected to double in the next 5 years or less. I think you can easily see that by being in this business now, your future is unlimited in this organization. Both of my career and economic standpoint, it is being undecided and committed about what we're doing to do that keeps us from doing our best. We're working with one hand and looking around with the other. As a result, we do need a satisfactory and remember this work contains within it the road to greatness, the key to anything you want for yourself and your family. Hundreds of people have already proved this in the last few years. So make the decision once and for all. Once this has been made, you will feel as though a weight has been lifted from your mind, perhaps for the first time in your life. You will know where you are in the world. You know you have a place where you can serve, where you need it, and respect it, where what you're doing is important. Once the decision has been made, we come to the second. Decide to become a professional at your business. You see, we can either compete or create. If we compete with all the other people in our line of work, we must be willing to accept the rewards. If that's what we want, fine. But if we want to become professionals of what we do, then we must create. And when we begin to do this, there's no limit to that which we can achieve. We hear a lot these days about a world called security. Everyone wants security, but not one in ten can tell you what it is. Most people will tell you that security risks with a job. This is impossible. There is no such thing as a job that represents security. Anyone with a job can lose it for anyone have a thousand reasons at any time. Those people I saw back in 1933, demoralized and afraid, thought that the job represented security and what had been taken from them. They had lost everything. They found themselves lost in a world they did not understand. Now a job cannot represent security. 
there is only one place on earth you can find security. And if it isn't there, it isn't anywhere. It's inside of a person, never outside. If a man has security inside where it belongs, his wife and children can feel it when he sits down to eat with them and they are warmed by it. If a man has security inside where it belongs, you can see it walking down the street and you can feel it when he enters a room that's security and you can't take it away from him. You can take away his money, his home, everything but a wife who's willing to start over and most of them are and drop him anywhere in the country. Go back in the year and you'll be doing just as well as when you found him the first time. You can't keep a good man down. No matter what you do to him, like cream on milk, you can shake it all day, but just set it down for a while and he'll bounce right to the top. This man or this woman has security where it belongs. And you know where it comes from? It comes from doing what we do for a living surpassingly well. It comes from being a pro in a world of amateurs. Becoming a pro isn't difficult. It comes from knowing what to do with time. It comes from knowledge, planning, and working. First knowledge. This means learning everything we can about what we sell. About world book childcraft and our sales material learning everything we can about people since that's who we sell and learning everything we can about selling since that our profession what we sell who do we sell and how do we sell those three subjects will fill a large library but we can take things one at a time and by devoting an hour a day to study we can become outstanding professionals in five years or less and it's the professionals in the business who can write their own tickets, good times and bad times. They can live where they choose and being professionals work when they choose. Second, planning. This means writing down the specific goal we are now working towards. It means writing in detail about the first port of call we want to reach. Realizing that we can only reach one at a time. It means selecting the income we feel will represent financial independence to us. Once this has been selected, we know exactly what we must do in order to reach it. As soon as our first goal has been reached, we consider anyone the person who does this is the person people call lucky. Good things just seem to happen to him. The so-called bricks start coming his way but it's a result of planning and working positively that attracts the good things to us. I can't emphasize too much the importance of describing your goal in detail. If it is a beautiful new home, get the actual plans, or at least an elevation drawing of the home and carry it with you so you, that you can look at it regularly. If it is a certain amount of money, write down the specific amount for the coming year to the penny and then work your plan. Whatever your goal may be, write it down in detail. Then you, like the ship, are on course and you reach more successful ports in a few years than most men do in a lifetime. Third, working. Working more than the average. If we're going to achieve more than the average results is necessary. 
but with proper planning and with knowledge, it seems easy. Moreover, to work we need energy and energy is inextricably linked to desire. Unless we have the desire to do a certain thing, we found ourselves without the energy. But you will never find desire without energy. Once our goal has been crystallized in our minds and we realize that we become what we think about, our doubts vanish as to whether or not we can achieve our desired end. And with the picture of our dream in our mind, we have abundant energy. Let me quote from William James' essay on vital reserves. Compare with what we ought to be, we only half awake. Our fires are dumped, our drafts are checked. We're making use of only a small part of our possible mental and physical resources. Stealing the thing broadly, the human individual best lives usually far within his limits. He possesses powers of various sorts which he habitually fails to use. He energizes below his maximum and be behaves below his optimum. And then he wrote, Excitements, ideas and efforts in the world of what carries us over the dam. He goes on in this excellent essay to point out that we have deep reservoirs of abundant energy that we habitually fail to use. And then by pushing past the first false feeling of fatigue, we will find an accelerating second wind that will take us to our goals. This is why I'm studying the lives of the worst great men and women. We find these seem to be tireless work meant nothing to them because what they were doing were they going to fill the entire world. Frequently people find it difficult to establish a goal toward which to work. Realizing that we cannot be successful without a goal, here's a good way to solve the problem. Get off by yourself and where you can think without being disturbed and write on a sheet of paper a complete description of the person you would like to be and the things in being this person you would have. Once this has been done, start acting the part of the person you wish to become. Carry it as often as you can. A clear mental image of the person you want to be and begin to be that person. Soon, this will become so neat with habit it will lead you without fail to the goal you seek. You'll see when you begin to do this, you're using your greatest power, your mind. And you will become what you think about. Some time ago, I was flying west and reaching for a copy of a television play by the three-time Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Archibald MacLeish. The play was the secret of freedom. Suddenly, I read a line that shook me to the soles of my feet. And for a long time, I stared out the window, totally digesting the line I had just read. Here is the line. The only thing about a man that is a man is his mind. Everything else you can find in a pig or a horse. Think about that line until you know what it means. The only thing that sets us apart as human beings is our divine minds. 
everything that means anything to us, our love of our families, our faith, our dreams, our talents, our abilities and religion and everything we know is connected to us solely through our minds. Our minds represent our hope and our future. Yet as a rule, it is the last place the average person will turn to go for help. Your mind is like a muscle. It will develop only to the extent that you use it by devoting an hour a day to study. You are building your mind into a powerful and creative servant. If you only do this five days a week, that's 1300 hours in five years that are equivalent to 162 eight-hour days devoted to study and research. Believe me, if you do this in five years, you'll be one of the most accomplished professionals in your field and you will have the world on a string. You will virtually be able to write your own ticket. The average man works eight hours a day, about 50 weeks a year for 40 years. That's time enough to become great at anything. The time will pass anyway. You might as well reap the rewards. So now, let's sum up and reduce the whole thing to a workable formula. A set of rules for this game of life that cannot fail to take us to where we wish to go. The first and most important thing to remember is the rule that controls our mind. We become literally what we think about. This means that we must establish the worthwhile goal toward which to work a goal that will occupy our minds most of the time. This goal should be written out or illustrated. We should look at it and restate our purpose every morning and every night. And as many times during the day as we can, we must fully understand emotionally as well as intellectually that whatever it is we set our heart upon will become real in our lives. We must also remember the law that lies at the basic foundation for all economics and personal well-being. Our rewards will be in exact proportion to our service. And if we want to get into the top 5% of the people, we must often cut ourselves away from the effects of our environment and become individuals with individual goals, individual thinking, individual actions. We must realize that our daily work contains more opportunities and we could develop in a lifetime that our job contains within itself the key to greatness, the road to everything we could possibly want in life for ourselves and our families. We must realize too that security can be found in one place only inside of us. If it isn't there, it isn't anywhere. And the only road to security lies in doing what we do for a living surpassingly well. And lastly, that we must become professionals at what we do. And that becoming a pro involves knowledge, planning and working. Knowledge of what we sell, whom we sell and selling. Planning by establishing the goal which automatically establishes our work pattern. The great salesman is like the great golfer. It looks the easy way he does it. Because it is easy the way he does it. But it took time, dedication and work in its accomplishment. Is it worth it? You bet it is. P.G. Homerton once wrote, let's be different, 
a strong life is like that of a ship of war, which has its own place in the fleet and can share in its strength and discipline, but can also go forth alone to the solitude of the infinite sea. We ought to belong to society to have our place in it, and yet be capable of a complete individual existence outside of it. And remember the strangest secret where you are now and you will become what you think about. Thank you. This is done for this reading. I apologize. There's a bunch of mistakes that I had not seen the first time. I hope it was still pretty clear. As I was reading and going through the mistakes, I realized that some parts might be quite hard to understand. But I think the essence, the message of the whole is pretty, pretty clear. And if anything, everything is pretty much summed up in the end. And I will give a quick resume of what I think is important in this lecture. Well, first of all, this lecture was pretty much meant for Earl Nightingale and his employees. I'm just guessing because I didn't find the sources exactly. But I would imagine that was the case. So obviously the company named uh, Childcraft Workbook, something like that, is his company and the lecture, this reading, this text was addressed to the employees of this particular company. Which is pretty amazing when you think about it because this lecture is pretty good. It's pretty, pretty, really good. And I think what is important to understand also is that this is pretty old as well so things might sound a bit outdated even in the language pattern nevertheless i think i still think it's very important for the principle and the essence behind the message because i do think that old nanny gale has very good points when it comes to achieving success and achieving financial success and independence the first that comes to mind is obviously you are what you think about all day online. This is the most important one. This is the basic foundation that we all need to succeed. And obviously I agree 100%. We have to have this mental diet and a strict mental diet to be able not only to survey, engage what is happening on our in our minds in a moment to moment basis and yes, I have to repeat in a moment-to-moment -moment basis obviously it will not be perfect but you have to hone this mental awareness as much as you possibly can and if that's the only goal you have in life it's a really worthwhile goal because once you know what you're letting in your mind and what you're dwelling upon you can readjust and change it to thinking that is more wholesome that is more productive that is more along the lines of what you truly want that's called the mental diet by Joseph Murphy or and on Neville Gordon so you really really have to hone this awareness as much as you possibly can and it takes time it takes discipline but this is really the basic foundation and it was not really emphasized in this text because Earl Nightingale talks about it in length in his other most popular text The Stranger's Secret and I strongly recommend you guys look it out but nevertheless, he still mentions this in, in a few lines, but it's still important to understand that this is the basic foundation, that we are what we think about all day, all night. So when we affirm, when we visualize, when we script, we are 
doing this work but you have to remember that in between those moments when you script during the day you also have thoughts so you have to be careful what kind of thoughts are coming in and what kind of thoughts you are letting in and more importantly what kind of thoughts and visuals you are dwelling upon in your mind the other thing is the individual part i do believe that we need to be individual and we need to separate ourselves from the masses because generally speaking obviously there's the law of numbers that the vast majority will not be doing the things that a few do because the what the what the fewer does is much harder and takes some effort i wouldn't say much harder but it takes more discipline and takes some knowledge and takes a lot of courage as neville goddard would say we need to dare to be our own individual we need to dare ask for what we want we need to dare pray for what we want and by praying i mean affirming and you know, feeling as if we already have what we want to be or what we want to have so that's very important we need to separate ourselves from the mass and the people around us will influence us greatly so we need to be aware of what we of whom we share our life with and our moments with other than that he also talks about the work and the work is different at that time than it was than it is now obviously so i have to agree that i agree that creating is the best path because we when you create we have less competition because we are more original so when we create it might take longer because we're not necessarily doing the things that are trendy but we do attract a niche that will be faithful to us because we are unique and we are providing the quality and originality that people seek so this is important too but this once you set your mind straight so to speak once you establish a good mental diet of what you want and once you have the a clear vision which will automatically create a quote-unquote gps in your mind things will happen naturally and you don't necessarily have to think about the work so much because things will unfold naturally the world will change to your liking and yourself will change to your liking which means you will be molded in a new person that will take actions the way things are aligned with you and you will take the actions that are the ones you need to take and failures quote unquote will not be so much failures they will be experimentation and they will be part of the bridge in, bridge of incidents that lead you to the success you seek the success you have imagined in your mind which for those who are not familiar with the bridge of incident is a particular particular uh coined term by Neville Goddard who said that who wrote that once you have impressed the subconscious mind with the vision of what you want the vision of what you want for your future as if you already have it now which is called living in the end once you have planted the seed the seed will grow and will lead you to a bridge of incidents a bridge of events that will ultimately lead you to where you want to be but this bridge of incidents bridge of events is out of your control which means you don't know how it will come about and even he's um el nadigan said it briefly at the beginning of this lecture that often time we don't know the path ahead of us we don't know the path that will lead us to our goal even the sail the sorry the the analogy of the ship and the ship captain when he said in 99% of the journey we will not see the port call 
which means we do not see the destination. We just keep on doing what we have to do, which is the mental diet, the work, etc., etc., and we will be led towards our goal. The bridge of incidents will lead us towards our goal because we know and we have faith that we are what we want to be, that we have what we want to have. That's called faith. And even Earl Nottingham said in The Strangest Secret, that faith is perseverance and perseverance is faith. So remember, it's not something you must think about, oh, do I have faith or do I not have faith? When you persevere in the in living in the end, in living in the wish fulfilled, and keep on moving forward with enthusiasm, maybe not all the time, but you are most of the time enthused and or at the very least neutral, but you do not dwell on negativity and you keep on moving forward and getting better at, at, at controlling your mental diet and doing the actions that need to be done and keeping in faith and following your intuition, etc. By keep on persevering. At the beginning, yes, it might be hard. Yes, it might be difficult. Yes, you might be confused. Yes, you might not know exactly what you're doing. But the journey is riddled with uncertainty so you will not have clear-cut answer there will be a part of confusion but your faith supersedes that confusion and as you go along that faith will become stronger and the confusion will become lesser and lesser and the doubts as Earl Nagerigan said will vanish so that's my message for this Brilliant text by Earl Nightingale, the brilliant lecture, conference, whatever the case may be, might have been. I hope you guys liked it. If you want more of my descriptions of lectures, of, of teachings, I have an Instagram page. I have my other YouTube videos. I explain, I do some shorter videos also, going straighter to the point. And this is a more long-winded explanation of this text but i have other videos pertaining to this subject and i also have instagram where not only do i do the shorter videos but i also write captions and articles quote unquote that goes along to the video to go in depth about those kinds of topics and if you're interested i also on tiktok all my information is in the description box below thank you so much for listening please like share and subscribe and i'll see you very soon Thank you for listening. This was the Path to Inspiration podcast. For more information, go to pathtoinspiration.com for more content or sebgrinko.com for coaching.